Tonight uh, can actually scare people away because they might be familiar with it and you see just an overview of the book of Proverbs, but I I hope that tonight would prove profitable to each of us as I have uh, put in time and study and so forth to try to make it practical to you as well. Uh, Last time we were together, we talked about some different sources of wisdom, uh, that there are different sources such as street wisdom that comes from experience, common sense, which is really logical thinking, uh, and so forth. And then practical wisdom as well, based upon experience, expertise, such as building a house or judging a situation and things of that nature. And then kind of close with the fact that the scriptures present to us two major sources of income, that which is earthly and that which is from above. And it centers those certainly on man and on God in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And as we closed last time, we were dealing with God's wisdom and how can we get that? What is the source of getting the wisdom that we need uh, of, about God and about our life? And we concluded a couple of things, and I want to remind us of that. First of all, God himself. The ultimate source of wisdom is God himself, since it all comes from him, and uh, either directly getting it from him or observing him. Uh, Secondly, it's in his revealed word, meaning the entire word of God, anything that has been revealed to us, and we would not know the depth of God, uh, the depth of our walk, of what our expectations should be, apart from having the revealed word of God. And that is what should drive us back because of the privilege that we have in this day and age to have it in print, Many, many people who are challenged to walk with God uh, only as they met collectively had their opportunity as a scroll would be read to them to gain their understanding. But you and I have the privilege of having an imprinted form bound in a book available in language that we understand and we can go and read it and yet we do not always avail ourselves of it. So we will gain the wisdom that God would have for us the more we get to know him since he and Jesus Christ the essence of wisdom, by looking at his revealed book, and then thirdly, by looking at the book of Proverbs, because that is his manual that he has, uh, and you'll hear more on that, but his manual that he's given us to uh, know some of the wisdom of God. And uh, there was a question asked of me, uh, or pointed out, and yes, that'll come up, because as we study the book of Proverbs, but I, I really left it in those three areas purposely that it's really with God himself, his revealed word, and the book of Proverbs. And the reason I did, the fourth area might be people. But again, remember what we've already looked at. There is wisdom that comes from the earth and wisdom that comes from above. And we don't want to discount, we've learned that, wisdom that comes from this world. But when it comes to true wisdom from God, I'm holding that because as we know, you probably are well aware of, Proverbs is going to teach us that in a multitude of counselors, There is wisdom, so there's a place for people. But it is certainly that we want to be going to get godly wisdom from people who know the word rightly divided. So I'm very careful with that one, especially today because of the availability of the word of God. In any given topic that you and I could think about, even the ones that we will study in the book of Proverbs, there are countless books that have been written by man that are available on counseling and instruction 
many of which go to references in the Word of God, and many of which I know I personally would never recommend to people, others that I would. And so, again, in that last area, we want to be careful and we'll learn and let the book of Proverbs. So I would say primarily, we really want to consult with God himself directly to what he has revealed to us and certainly to what he has established here in this particular book. So our concentration left as we are anticipating the topical study of the book, just to remind you, tonight I want to do an overview as far as I'm able to get time-wise, and I'm not, and I told you that before we got here, I'm not looking to give you every possibility and to beat the thing to death at all, but I do feel even the things we'll say tonight are very important to us in our understanding of the book. After we get through the overview, it is my intent to take the first seven verses which I think if you really want to understand Proverbs, you've got to understand those first seven verses. And I've already prepared you, and that will either be the next message or the message after that. I've already prepared you for what's coming there uh, in simply making an application, and that's really something I think all the young people need to hear. And that is without a disciplined life, it's going to be impossible to please God. Impossible. And that's on the authority of God's Word. And we'll see that in the first seven verses. That, yeah, the fear of God, we're going to talk about that, yeah, where does, where does wisdom begin? But without a disciplined life, it is absolutely going to be impossible to walk uh, in, a, in this world with a life that's pleasing to him. And then after we've done that, finally will we get into the bulk of which our study will be, and that will be topically dealing with the book of Proverbs in the areas, as I said, both in family life, in our practical walk, in work and so forth, social and so on. So let's start with the overview, and uh, I know a number of you take notes. I will try not to go fast, and that is by nature, and I'm not trying to be insensitive uh, to anyone. Uh, This is available on disk and so forth that you can always get, and you don't even have to purchase it. You can borrow it and so forth, but I need to keep it at a pace that still we make progress. As far as the word proverb, and many of you I know are aware of it, it means, it comes from the word that means similarity or comparison, and probably the better translation, at least in my reading, of the Hebrew word means, in its simplicity, to be like. To be like. That's what the word proverb means. It means to be like, or it means similarity. And what is it? What is a proverb? What is a proverb? It is a simple statement. You want to really have that in your mind. It is a simple statement. And what we mean by that is a simple statement used instead of using a lot of words. Rather than using a lot of words, it takes that and brings it down into very few words. That's what a proverb is. It could be said many, many different ways and with a lot of words, but it's meant to simplify. And it simplifies things by making a simple statement, listen, to reveal a profound truth. It's a very quick, simple statement intended to reveal a very profound truth by using, and I know some of you are trying to copy that quickly, but by using tangible images of life. Let me give you that again, especially for those of you taking notes. It is a simple statement to reveal a profound truth. How does it do that? By using tangible images of life. 
In other words, it's trying to make a simple statement so that you, as you're walking through life, it gives you tangible things that you can grasp onto and see as a human being. But it's really teaching something very profound that can affect our lives in many, many practical ways. That's in, it, in its simplicity. They are used, that is, Proverbs have been used in every culture. They still are used in every culture today and have been as you go back in time. And if the Lord tarries, will always probably be used as we move ahead of time, ahead in time. The next point I think you really want to grasp, and if you don't, you will not understand the book of Proverbs. And it's three words that I'm going to give you. I broke it down the simplest that I could do. The book of Proverbs is generalities, not guarantees. You don't get that, you will browbeat yourself many times. And I hope to demonstrate that to you tonight. They are generalities. That's what a proverb is. It is a simple statement. It is a generality. It is not necessarily a guarantee. And I should probably qualify that by saying a guarantee in this life. Because you will hear me later on in the evening, and some of you that are listening very carefully might pick me up, pick up on it and say, well, you said it was not a guarantee. Then by the time you get to the end of the message, you said ultimately they will be. So I'm already getting it to the end of the message. But in our life, it is a generality, not a guarantee. Let me give you some examples, first of all, of things that we might say. And I just listed a few of them, obviously. And you will think of many, many others. This is a proverb. Better safe than sorry. That's a very condensed expression to really teach a profound truth that can affect many areas of our life. Better safe than sorry. Think before you speak. If I could get that one, I would never be in trouble. I can't get that one. Though people say it to me all the time, right? Again, I use purposely, it's four words. But it's very profound. Think before you speak. You can do that with a spouse, and I would recommend you do that. You could do that at work, right? You can do that on the job. You could do that even when you're confronted with something and you really want to hit somebody and you think before you speak. See? Very profound. That's a proverb. Look before you leap. Good. Good teaching. Four words again. Look before you leap. And I just happened to look at Camille, by the way, and you're smiling. You are probably, I can, I can remember when Camille over, came over to this country, and people that know me, I use these expressions all the time. The kids laugh about it in school. I don't blame them. But Camille would say, what is he talking about? You know, because he didn't understand these, right? Because every culture has some. And then he would say some of the things, and I wouldn't know what he was talking about. Okay, but look before you leave. Here's a couple, two more that are a little bit longer, but they're very condensed. A bird in the hand is worth... Two in the bush. Okay. A lot of things can be used with that. That's a proverb. But again, I use that one purposely as I tried to think because it's a little bit longer, but it's still very condensed. And one last one, since I picked on birds, I use that. The early bird catches the worm. Now, does the early bird always get a worm, for example? Of course not. 
Not a guarantee. The birds don't have that in front of them, so they say, whoa, the sun's rising, I better hurry up, and I guarantee I'm going to get a worm today. It doesn't happen. But it's a general expression. General expression. Well, the book of Proverbs frequently, or, or, or the Bible uses them, and the book of Proverbs is centered on Proverbs. Now, there are a couple of things that I think if you, again, make a, if you're making notes, that, that can be very helpful to you, because the book of Proverbs, and I and I read this from a number of authors, both contemporary to our day and age, and I went back and looked at some of the older writers and so forth, and I believe in almost every one that I consulted, what they kept saying is, the book of Proverbs can also be the most dangerous book in the Bible. Because we can misuse it if we don't understand what's really being expressed there. And we can end up absolutely, in this particular book, taking things out of context. Well, we under, need to understand in the book of Proverbs that frequently the expressions or the Proverbs go with, and I'm going to give it to you quick and show you each one, two lines or four lines or six lines or eight lines. And if you're not careful in reading that, you can totally mis misinterpret the whole thing. Is it going in two lines or is it going in four lines? Or is it going in eight lines? So it's easy to remember, two, four, six, eight. Let me show you. Go with me to Proverbs 11. And again, I'm trying to make it as simple as I can. Proverbs 11, verse 17. This may take two messages to get through this. I hope to, we'll just see what happens. But Proverbs 11:17. This is two lines. First line, it's all in one verse. The merciful man does himself good, contrast, line two, but the cruel man does himself harm. That's it. That's the entire proverb. It's only two lines. First line is, merciful man does himself good. Second line, but the cruel man does himself harm. Four lines. Go with me to Proverbs 24. There's countless examples of all of these. So there, if I'm just reading verse 17, I've got it all. If that was my verse for the day, I've got it all. If I went to Proverbs 24, and I only read verse 3, I haven't got the whole proverb. Because Proverbs 24, the proverb is verses 3 and 4. Watch. By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established. That's not the end of the proverb. Verse 4, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. End of the proverb. It's four lines. It's two verses. And that is the whole thing. So while it may be true in, in verse 3, and I'm not saying you couldn't use verse 3, if you want to get the whole proverb, it's really verses 3 and 4. It's four lines. It all goes together. It talks about the house being built. It talks about how it's established. It talks about how the rooms are filled and what's involved in it. Six lines, Proverbs 23. And some of this you'll have to chew on later, but if you're marking it down, you'll get it. And if you consult with a number of commentaries or somebody who's really done some work on it and concentrates in the Old Testament, you'll see a lot of these a lot clearer. But in chapter 23, verses 19 through 21... It all goes together. Listen, my son, and be wise. 
and direct your heart in the way. He's not done. Do not be with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. He's not done. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one with rags. It's done. It all goes together. It all goes together. So the proverb actually in there, while we're going through Proverbs, this one is six lines to get the whole picture. Now you say, well, six lines isn't short. That's not four words. No. But if you look at the depth of what he is saying in verses 19 through 21, it is immense. But it all goes together. He's given instruction to a son about how to be wise and be directed in his heart, and he deals specifically with drinking and who not to spend time with and what will be the result if you do. And let me give you one on eight lines since we're in chapter 23. Let's look at verses 22 because it comes right after it. Verses 22 to 25 goes on. And that all goes together. So and I, and I wanted to illustrate this to you. So if you were reading Proverbs 23 for the day, for example, and you wanted to read a proverb, and you're picking it up in verse 19, it would be very wise to read verses 19, 20, and 21. It all goes together. That's a proverb. If you then come to verse 22, you really want to go 22 to 25 because that's the proverb. Let me, let me show it to you. Listen to your father who begot you. Do not despise your mother when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who sees a wise son uh, will be glad in him. Let your father and your mother be glad and let her rejoice who gave birth to you. It started with wisdom from your father and mother. And when they are old, and it ends with what will happen if you're pleasing to them. That's the whole proverb. So as we're going through... The Proverbs are presented sometimes very quickly in two lines. Sometimes it takes four lines to put a couple of verses together. Sometimes it's a few verses together. Just like I'm already saying to you, when we begin to, to look through the book, we're going to take the first seven verses together because they go together. They go together. If you really want to get it, you don't leave verse 1 and 2 by themselves. You've got to take verses 1 through 7 to get the essence of what's being said. Now, to further help, and I mean it to help. So as we're going through in the book of Proverbs, just be aware that sometimes, and you can tell most of the time, it is pretty self-evident when you're going through, if you, if you go through and you read a couple of verses before or after where it really cut off and a new statement is being made. I want to be very careful with Hebrew parallelism because I'm not here to teach you a lot of Hebrew parallelism. But to help you to understand the Proverbs, and I tried to do it by taking simple ones, and I compared a number of sources, found one that I thought was very, very simple and right to the point. Let me give you a couple of them. The Proverbs in Hebrew parallelism sometimes is presented by giving identical statements. You got that? It's number one. Identical statements. Go with me to Proverbs 16. This is two lines with identical statements. Verse 18. Proverbs 16, 18. 
Pride goes before destruction. I mentioned that verse this morning. What's the rest of the proverb? The rest of the verse. It's a two-line proverb. And a haunty spirit before stumbling. There's one proverb there. It's two lines. And it's put in a way that it's identical. The first part, line one, is identical to line two. You say, no, it's not in English. The, pro the proverb is teaching a specific point. And both aspects teach the same thing. And it's basically saying, don't have pride or a haunty spirit. It's just expressing it in a different way. And you will fall if you do. Some of them present it as opposites. That's number two. Opposites. That's chapter 11 of Proverbs. Look at verse 17. Again, this is a two-liner purposely to make it easy tonight. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 17. Line one, the merciful man does himself good. Notice, opposite, contrast. The cruel man does himself harm. That's it. That's the proverb. If we can put that, whoever's got that, oh, I would appreciate it if you just put it on um, vibrate. But what we got, 1117, the first part of it is the merciful man. The second part is the cruel man. Those are opposite people. All right? One proverb, but by doing it by contrasting the relationship. And I'm saying these things tonight to give you an overview so that when you're reading on your own, you watch for these things. How many verses go together? Is it the same thing? Because a lot of this was related to the culture that you and I don't live in. And sometimes you'll understand the beginning of the verse and the second verse won't make sense. But if you look at it close enough and you say, well, is it a contrast or is it identical? It may even help you to understand what's being said in the rest of the proverb. Another one, and this is sometimes difficult, this one and the last one, but the third one is what's called expansive. In other words, it starts, but then as the verse goes on, or the second line picks up, it really expands what's being said. It gives more to it. Chapter 10, verse 18. Chapter 10, verse 18. This is a two-line proverb. He who conceals hatred has lying lips. Yes, it's not done. And he who spreads slander, that's further. See, it's added to it. It's expanded it. You start by concealing it and speaking, and then he continues on with the speaking, but now when you spread slander, you're a fool. It's all one proverb. It's not two separate proverbs. It's one proverb, but the proverb has taken it all the way. It's taken it from the heart to the lips to what ends up happening just beyond saying it here to actually slandering in public. The other one we're probably very familiar with, and the fourth one, and that's comparative. Comparative. And I hope this just isn't academic. I really want you to see it in the Proverbs one at a time here. But comparative. Proverbs 25, 25. If I was teaching you in my class right now, this would be a verse that I would give you because it's easy to remember. 25, 25. It's easy to pick up in English, too, because you notice verse 25. Like cold water to a weary soul, so is. Or you'll see like and as. Like cold water is to a, a weary soul, that's line one. Line two, so is good news from a distant land. A very profound statement. 
and to help us see it. You see how it's using stuff we relate to? We can picture it. If you see in verse 25 and you're tired and you see yourself coming through a desert and, oh, that cool water tastes great. That's the same thing as somebody getting good news from afar off, such as, for example, a parent getting news that their soldier is on the way home. Right? It's the same as, oh, man, that was good news. Good news to have. Or a child away from school and, and so forth. All right? And the last one I'll give you five is what's called formal. And then it is the second line, again, repeats the first. It's slightly different from the expansive, but it, you need the second part of it to complete it. And it's called the formal Hebrew parallelism. And to give you one illustration, it's chapter 16, verse 17. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his ways preserves his life. It's all dealing with the concept of the highway and our walk and so forth. But the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. And he who watches his way preserves his life. Now, that already is a lot for you to comprehend when you're sitting in there, and it's a lot of information. But what I'm trying to get you to see that in the book of Proverbs, it does break it down. So when I'm talking about Proverbs, there are single Proverbs within, and some of them are very short, some of them are a little longer. And to get the whole message right, I need to know, is it an identical situation? Is it a comparative situation? What is it dealing with? Okay? Now... Let me give you something else, because I just want you to be aware of it. The book of Proverbs are not the only Proverbs in the Bible. You knew that, right? There's other Proverbs in the book, in our Bible. These aren't the only ones. Obviously. Why? Go back to 1 Kings chapter 4. You will hear me repeat that verse a number of times. I've already given it to you, I believe, in one of the messages. And I believe I'll be giving it to you again. But in First Kings chapter 4, verse 32. Speaking of Solomon, verse 30, he says he also spoke how many? 3,000 Proverbs. Okay, now that's mentioning it. So we don't have them all in the book of Proverbs. We don't have all the book... We don't have all the Proverbs there. But now I'm saying that there's others recorded in the Word of God. There are. Let me give you a couple of Old Testament and a couple of New Testament. Go to Ezekiel chapter 12. And I tried to make it as simple as I could because there's a number of Proverbs in Scripture. Ezekiel chapter 12. If you're in Ezekiel 12, look at verses 22 and 23. Son of man, notice what he's saying. If you look at verse 31, the word of the Lord came to me saying, this is coming from God. And what he says is, son of man, what is this proverb you people have concerning the land of Israel? What was it? Saying, the days are long and every vision fails. That was the proverb. That is a proverb that's found recorded in the Word of God, outside of the book of Proverbs. And by the way, you'll notice in verse 23, he says, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, 
I will make this proverb. God recognizes it as a proverb. I will make this proverb cease. You think that that's the condition? I'm going to change it. That's the context of the book of Ezekiel. My point into you, the point to you is there was this proverb, and it's even recorded in the Word of God, the days are long and every vision fails. That was a proverb that was being used and actually got recorded in the Word of God. Okay, go to Ezekiel 18. One more in the Old Testament. And I kept it in the same book. I didn't keep it. The Lord had it in that book, but easier to go to. In chapter 18, the first three verses. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, What do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel? Notice this is a different one. The fathers eat the sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. What in the world does that mean? I'm not sure. Okay? But it's a proverb. In verse 3, the Lord says the same thing that he said in chapter 12. As I live, declares the Lord God, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. I won't let it come to pass. And that's what he says. Well, how about New Testament? Well, let me give you one in the... the, uh, Actually, two, if I want to be technical with it. In the book we're studying on Sunday morning, go to the Gospel according to John. John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Verse 35. Do not say, here's the proverb, there are yet... Uh, excuse me, do you not say, there are yet four months and then comes the harvest? That was a proverb. You say, no, that was just based upon the practicality. No, that is a proverb. That's what they were saying. He says, behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. That one is, I use that one purposely because that's so quoted by missionaries. The bottom line, it's a proverb. And the Lord's basically trying to teach that 